Law of Self-Defense content you are about to enjoy is presented for general educational purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice. If you are in need of legal advice, consult competent legal counsel in the relevant jurisdiction. Hey folks, welcome back to our ongoing coverage of the Arbery Ahmad case in which the defendants, Greg McMichael, Travis McMichael, and William Bryan are being tried for murder and other charges in the shooting death of Ahmad Arbery. I am, of course, attorney Andrew Branca for Law of Self-Defense. Now, today the court proceeded with ongoing jury selection or voir dire in the case with the goal of impaneling 12 jurors and four alternates for the duration of the trial, which is anticipated to run into the third week of November. Although I caution that such things are hard to predict, the court has informed 1,000 local residents that they are prospective jurors in the case, with 600 of them reporting to the courthouse for the selection process this week. Now, the jury selection process being used here is a two-step process. First, prospective jurors are brought in as groups of 20 and subject to general voir dire. Here they are asked general raise-your-hand type of questions uh, by the judge, by the state, by the defense lawyers, and notes are made of who raised their hand, or more accurately, their identifying number of placards, to what questions to allow for more focused follow-up during the second step of the jury selection process. So in more concrete terms, the jurors might be asked a raise your hand question like, have any of you ever been sworn law enforcement officers? And then the court reporter and the attorneys would note which number placards were being held aloft, number 53, number 69, number 45, and so forth, just as an illustrative example. And that's largely what today's general voir dire consisted of this morning. It's what I expect all the general voir dire to look like until a final jury is impaneled. The questions and the numbers held up and recited by the attorneys. Now, in the second step of the jury selection process, the prospective jurors are brought into the courtroom individually for individual voir dire and subject to more personal questioning by the state and defense and maybe a little bit by the judge. The questioning is done outside the hearing of other prospective jurors so that the comments of one juror cannot potentially poison the other prospective jurors. And now I have some good news and some bad news. The good news is that the first step of that jury selection process, the general voir dire of the prospective jurors in groups of 20, is being broadcast with both video and audio, allowing us to observe the proceedings and provide all of you with our usual insight and analysis. Specifically, the video is solely of the judge and the lawyers, and the jurors are not shown on camera. However, the audio during this first step of the process captures the entire room, so the occasional verbal response from a juror is also captured. Such juror comments are relatively rare, however, because they're mostly just raising their number placards as appropriate in response to the general voir dire questions asked of them. The bad news is that the second step of the process, the individual voir dire, once again, it has video, but video solely of the judge and the lawyers and, of course, the defendants, but the audio is completely muted. The purpose of this is to protect the identity of the individual prospective jurors by not broadcasting even their voices, by which they might potentially be recognized. Unfortunately, it also means observation of the second step of the jury selection process, the individual voir dire, 
I mean, it's silent. So it provides us with no useful information for analysis purposes. So in terms of the consequences of the second step of the jury selection process, the individual voir dire, for example, the number of jurors who were dismissed or who were seated on the jury will be obliged to depend on the reporting of local journalists actually sitting in the courtroom or in the adjacent media room and personally observing that second step of the jury selection process. That said, we can share with all of you the proceedings of the first step of the process, the general voir dire of the group of 20, groups of 20 at a time, and we do so in today's content. And that general voir dire is really broken up into four major segments. First, we have the opening remarks and questions for the prospective jurors uh, of Judge Walmsley. Second, we have the questions of Senior Assistant DA Linda Denikowski. Third, the questions of defense counsel Jason Sheffield, who was the only defense attorney among the defendants to ask questions in general voir dire this morning. Apparently, he was selected for the group as a whole. And fourth, the closing remarks and cautions to the jury of Judge Walmsley. Now, at that point, after those closing remarks by the judge, the court briefly recessed to return shortly afterwards for the second step of the jury selection process, the individual voir dire again, to which useful broadcast access is not being permitted by the court. So let's start with the first part, the first segment. Judge Walmsley welcomes and questions prospective jurors. So the judge welcomed the group of 20 prospective jurors. And by the way, the video of this and every one of the four segments of today's general voir dire is embedded in the text version of today's content. So I would encourage you to access the text version of that content and take a look at the video itself. We do make it available to all of you. But just to summarize here, the judge welcomed the group of 20 prospective jurors, explained the basic two-step process of jury selection being used in this case. Now, I did find it interesting that Judge Walmsley referred to voir dire, jury selection, as a really deselection process rather than as a selection process. I myself have never liked the use of the phrase jury selection because of the reality that all we lawyers are really able to do in voir dire is to exercise a modest and limited ability to deselect specific jurors. Besides that limited deselection ability, we're largely stuck with the pool of jurors that the system has drawn from the local community for the case. Accordingly, I routinely refer to voir dire as a deselection process, but I'm not sure I've previously heard a judge do the same. The judge then swore in the prospective jurors, read aloud the criminal charges to them, meaning the murder, felony murder, aggravated assault, false imprisonment, and criminal attempt to commit a felony charges, some of those in multiple counts, followed by his asking of a few very top-level questions uh, of a sort usually mandated by statute in all criminal trials. For example, he asked them if any of them are related by blood or marriage to any of the defendants. They all answered in the negative. More interestingly, he asked if any of them, given all the coverage of this case, had formed or expressed any opinion as to the guilt or innocence of the defendants. Here, fully eight of the prospective jurors, number 39, number 50, number 69, number 48, number 72, number 78, number 88, and number 89, eight of them, nearly half the group of 20, answered in the affirmative. They had formed or expressed an opinion as to the guilt or innocence of the defendants. He also asked them if they had any prejudice or bias either for or against the accused. And here, four of the prospective jurors, 
39, 50, 69, and 78 answered in the affirmative. They did have prejudice or bias either for or against the accused. Now, the intensity of that bias um, would be something that would be, and which direction would be something explored in individual voir dire. Finally, the judge asked them if their mind was perfectly impartial between the state and the accused. And here, four of the prospective jurors, 69, 48, 80, and 89, answered that they were not impartial between the two sides. Again, an issue that would be explored further in individual voir dire with each of those prospective jurors. With that, the judge turned the proceedings over to the state prosecutors who were represented here uh, in questioning by senior assistant DA Linda Denikowski. Uh, She informed the prospective jurors that they ought to raise their hands if the questions she asked applied to them in any degree. In other words, if they were uncertain whether it applied, they should raise their number placards. And the extent of that degree of Application of the question, relevance of the question to them would be followed up during individual voir dire later in the day. Now, Donikowski's voir dire took a full, well, really just over 40 minutes and involved over 80 questions. And that's not counting her spending the last full 10 minutes asking prospective jurors if they knew any of a very lengthy list of prospective witnesses in the case. Now, given the multitude of the questions, I won't read them all off here, but you can find the questions and the individual juror responses in the text version of today's content. We did type it in there for you. So after her 80-some questions and her 10 minutes running through the prospective witness list, ADA Denikowski turned the pool of prospective jurors over to the defense, and it seems that defense counsel Jason Sheffield was selected from among the greater group of defense attorneys to ask their general voir dire questions on behalf of all of them, even though technically speaking, Jason Sheffield represents only Travis McMichael. I do, of course, have the video of Sheffield's questioning. Uh, in general voir dire of the 20-person jury pool, and that will be embedded in the text version of today's content. Now, Sheffield's questioning of the pool took just over 16 minutes. Uh, He asked about 20 questions. Uh, Now, just to start, I'll note something that became interesting. Sheffield informed the prospective jurors that once they were questioned uh, in individual voir dire, that neither their faces nor their voices would be broadcast. I mentioned this earlier. That's why individual voir dire, the broadcast of it is not useful to us. He was certainly proven correct in that. Sheffield then introduced Travis McMichael, having him stand up uh, so the prospective jurors could see him clearly and mentioning, describing him as formerly of Coast Guard, formerly of Metzer, I think it was Marine. Well, this reference to formerly of Coast Guard uh, would later drive objection from the state and a request from the state that this entire jury pool of 20 be dismissed of as a group for having been poisoned by these references, particularly the reference to former Coast Guard. I'll, I'll come back to that in a moment. Now, as with the state questions, given the multitude of the questions asked by the defense, I won't read them all off here, but again, you can find the questions and the individual juror responses in the text version of today's content. Now, after the defense was wrapped up with Sheffield's general voir dire of the jury pool, 
things turned back to Judge Walmsley. He took over to wrap up General Vaudier of the pool of 20 prospective jurors. He informed them they'd take a short recess and then transition into individual Vaudier, in which they would be questioned separately to follow up on these and other questions that came up that may have applied to them, particularly if they held up their number card. He cautioned them that until he instructs them otherwise, that they were not to discuss the case amongst themselves or with others, not to search out information about the case, not to visit the neighborhoods where the events took place, none of that. He said if anyone approached them about the case or is discussing the case within their hearing, they are to notify the court. That's all perfectly normal instructions for a judge to give prospective jurors. And with that, the court recessed to come back into session a short time later with individual voir dire, which again, we were not able to cover in any useful way because no audio is included. Now, I mentioned earlier that the defense had introduced Travis McMichael to this pool of prospective jurors as being former Coast Guard. And I'm going to uh, embed the video of that clip because it's so short. I'll embed it right here. Let me begin with, now that we've been sitting here for a little bit of time, Travis McMichael, formerly with Coast Guard, formerly with Mets and Marine, as you sat here now and listening to this, did any of you recognize Travis? Now, apparently, the state took considerable offense to this and asked the judge to completely dismiss the 20-person pool of prospective jurors in its entirety on the grounds that the former Coast Guard reference had improperly characterized Travis McMichael in a positive light, improperly burnished his character to the prospective jurors. Attorney Sheffield responded that he'd mentioned the Coast Guard experience not to improperly burnish the character of Travis McMichael, but merely to provide context for the jurors to assist them in recalling where they might have previously met him, met Travis. Sheffield also noted that when the state was reading its witness list and asking the prospective jurors if any of them knew any of the prospective witnesses, the state identified those witnesses who were associated with police departments to provide jurors with a reference point so they would have a easier means of recalling if they had met any of those witnesses before and that's all he was doing sheffield was doing he says when he mentioned the coast guard with respect to his client travis mcmichael okay well maybe i guess in any case the question was argued before judge walmsley after the pool of jurors had left the room and ultimately he decided against dismissing the pool in mass in fact he didn't seem to have much problem with the reference to the Coast Guard, he did caution both the state and the defense against burnishing the character of uh, the defendants or presumably any uh, potential witness. So I do have video of that exchange in front of Judge Walmsley. Uh, with my apologies, I missed the first few seconds of this exchange. I don't believe it was being broadcast at the time, uh, but you'll get the gist of it from this video clip that I'll embed right here that witnesses were with the police department. They gave a reference point for those people where they might be known from. I too gave a reference point. Some people might begin to know somebody from those experiences, and those were experiences here. It's not anything that's not gonna come out in opening statement. It's not anything that's not gonna be known during the trial. And it's certainly not good character, it's employment and where they might know him from. So. 
I see nothing wrong with identifying for these potential jurors a location and a profession that they might say, oh, yes, I do know him from that. And the state did that. All right. In the uh, context of jury selection, the, uh, the court court denies the motion. In the context of jury selection, uh, zeroing in the potential jurors on the prior employment uh, of the defendant um, is a legitimate reason to bring those matters up, uh, just because it may touch upon the character of the defendant on time under these circumstances. Uh, it would not rise to the level of a um, dismissal of the panel. I do caution counsel, though, let's not get into the facts of the case or start uh, arguing the case for the character of the uh, parties to the panels as they come through. I think so far so good, um, but let's, uh, let's make sure that we uh, don't go beyond where we are. Absolutely. Thank you, Your Honor. All right. Well, let's go ahead and reconvene in 10 minutes in the courtroom. Now, as noted, individual voir dire is broadcast without sound, so that broadcast is of little use for purposes of analysis. Basically, the broadcast of individual voir dire consists of video of the courtroom, uh, of the lawyers and the defendants only, of course, but without sound and going on for hours. So just kind of pointless from our perspective. Uh, again, presumably local journalists will be reporting the bare facts, such as how many jurors were dismissed and how many were seated. And we'll share that information with you all as it comes our way. Um, if it comes up before, if, if court recesses and we have that information before this content goes live, perhaps I'll insert a little update before we post this video up. Okay, folks, that's all I have for you on these jury selection proceedings today. Remember, if you carry a gun so you're hard to kill, that's why I carry a gun, so I'm hard to kill, my family is hard to kill, then you also owe it to yourself and your family to make sure you know the law so you're hard to convict. Until next time, I remain Attorney Andrew Branker for Law of Self-Defense. Stay safe. 